Geekville Radio. Welcome once again, fellow geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with episode 280 now. We're closing in on 300, about to do our big 300th episode coming soon. We're going to talk some news about Black Adam, uh, Black Widow, Loki, and then we'll wind it up with talking a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Once again, I don't have to do it alone. Coming at you from the nice soft padded cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. It's been about a week since we've recorded, and I think I said last time that this is a fun time to be a geek because a lot of stuff's hitting us, and yeah, <laughs> you'll see from this episode. A lot of yeah. news, a lot of reviews, good stuff. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Now, to kick off our news, probably the biggest news that hit has to do with the Black Adam film, which is going into production this week. I believe The Rock himself actually posted on his social media that they were beginning actual production this week. There's a picture of him uh, in his, kind of his workout T-shirt and shorts, and his, his thighs are like three feet wide. But best, uh, best legs in wrestling. He wore those boots that accentuated his calf muscles for a reason. But I right, <laughs> right. But we have a cast now for Doctor Fate. Now I don't know if it will just be a voice role or if it'll be his face on camera as well. But Pierce Brosnan, probably best known for being James Bond in the 1990s, and he was Remington Steele in the 80s before that, of course. He has been cast to play Doctor Fate in the upcoming Black Adam film which is been called by The Rock himself as being effectively Black Adam versus the JSA, the Justice Society. Now, Train, we had kicked around the idea off mic. I don't think we talked about it on mic of who would be a good Dr. Fate. And I think we talked about like maybe Tobin Bell or Robert Englund, at mm-hmm. least for the voice part of it. So I take it we're kind of in agreement that Pierce Brosnan is a good casting here? Yes. I, I think Dr. Fate, I'm trying to remember, and this is sad because I'm the DC guy, I believe Dr. Fate, the character, the human guise of Dr. Fate in the comics is a British man. So Tobin Bell and Robert England, as much as I love both of them because of their horror ties, they're both American actors. Mm-hmm. Though I do believe both of them could easily pull off a British accent if they wanted to. In fact, I believe I've heard Robert England do a Cockney accent. But yeah, I'm with you. I think that will he take the helmet off of ever so we actually see Pierce's face? I don't know. And even in the Doctor Fate, will it be him under a mask, or will they just do voice? I don't know. Right but, now, the the, the character because I, I forget the human's name now because again I'm I'm the Marvel guy. But if I recall correctly, the man that puts the helmet on, he's actually uh, a little older, right? He'd he'd be like middle aged yes. or maybe a little older. Right, right. Which is why Pierce, Tobin, or Robert would have all fit. But, but yeah, remember he is one of the older characters. He mm-hmm. he was he was invented in the early '40s and. He is essentially considered by a lot of people as like DC's version of Doctor Strange, which is funny because he predates Doctor Strange by almost 25 years. Right, <laughs> but, and, I, uh, and I remember in the Amalgam stuff where they crossed over Marvel and DC, there was a character called Doctor Strange. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, you're talking about the Kent Nelson character is, is his human form. Kent is essentially, I can't remember if he was an archaeologist, some kind of scientist who discovers the helmet, which is imbued with the powers of Nabu, who is an ancient Egyptian deity. Not the planet Nabu, obviously. Right. Not no, Spelled differently. Spelled N-A-B-U, not N-A-B-O-O, like Star Wars. But 
if I remember right, there's a storyline that, that happens where Nabu basically, I don't want to say blackmails Kent, but he kind of does. Kent's wife is dying, and he, Nabu agrees to put her up in like this like, – it's similar to the house that's Constantine where mm-hmm. time stands still so she won't age and she won't die. We'll get to time standing still in a little bit as well. But yes, he basically makes a deal. You wear the helmet and allow me to be the avatar for my powers, and I'll put your your wife in this position where she won't die. And I know that sounds similar to uh, Dr. Freeze in DC, this idea of, of a guy doing something because of his wife, but it, mm-hmm. it's effective. It, it, it turns yeah. on the heartstring. Right, right. There, there's the, how would you say, the sympathetic aspect to the character even though they're yes. doing bad things right and dr fate is is always been a hero even though nabu is a little bit seemingly i don't want to say loki-esque which we'll get to loki later but there is some of those elements there i i think that all the ancient mythology gods whether you're talking norse egyptian greek roman they're all kind of portrayed that way aren't they mm-hmm. a little bit oh, yeah. a little little bit of what we would call a tweener in the wrestling business so yeah i i of course Obviously, being mystical, I love Dr. Fate, and I do see the analogies made to Dr. Strange, but he predates Dr. Strange by 20, 20, 25 years, and I think Pierce Brosnan is an excellent casting. Yeah. Now, as as far as the JSA characters we're getting here, we're unfortunately, we're not really getting too many heavy hitters for the JSA. Like, there's there's no Flash or uh, Green Lantern Green or anything like that. Right. We are getting... Hawkman, who will be played by Aldous Hodge, who I don't really recognize. Adam Smasher, who is kind of like a giant man type thing. Cyclone, played by Quintessa Swindell. And then there is Isis, played by Sarah Schall. So I, it looks like this is pretty much going to be like a Black Adam origin story. I uh, is, is this the Hawkman Carter Hall? Is this the uh, like the JSA he was one of those characters that, much like Green Lantern, they they changed. Mm-hmm. Whereas Green Lantern went from being Alan Scott to Hal Jordan, from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, and the Flash went from being Jay Garrick to Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. They kept Carter Hall the name, but they changed his backstory, which is one of my favorite stories: the Starcross Lovers with him and Hawkwoman, and yeah, and they touched on it in the first season of Legend of Tomorrow. I see. I would think that take on the character would make more sense in a black adam movie it's why i think they're including isis because there is that much like marvel kind of took their took their own spin on the norse mythology with thor and all the asgardians dc did that 20 years earlier with the egyptian stuff shazam black adam isis the sheer and carter hall versions of of hawkman they're all go back to ancient Egypt. so mm-hmm. isis I don't know that much about because I never really read a lot of the comics on her. My biggest memory of Isis was uh, you remember the live action Saturday morning show when we were kids, don't you? Uh, and you're talking Shaz- the Shazam series? Or? Shazam had a series and so did Isis. Okay. Out of those, I only remember the Shazam one. You remember Land of the Lost? I know you remember Land of the Lost. I don't think I watched it regularly, but I know the name. It was Sid and Marty Croft. Right. You know. right. And there was a, a relaunch, I think, sometime in the 90s as well. Yeah, they, they tried to make a movie version with Will Ferrell. As much as I love Will Ferrell, it, it's because it was Will, it was a comedy. And there was a campiness to the old 70s kids show, but that's because it was low budget, not because I think they were meant, meant for it to be campy, you know? Right, right. I, I kind of took it to be like sci-fi shows 
in the sixties. Yes. Uh, something those where the stories might be really good, but you just kind of smile and nod when it comes to the bad effects. And for what, for what it's worth, ISIS and, and, and Shazam were much in the same vein. These were Saturday morning kids shows. So I'm sure they had a much more limited budget than your prime time shows on the networks at the time. Mm -hmm. But all I remember about the ISIS was there was a definite similarity to Wonder Woman. This woman out of time from another play and she shows up. She tries to pay for a taxi in New York City with like some kind of gemstones or seashells or something. And they're like, what is this? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. The gag that never gets old if you do it well enough. Yeah, I remember they did it with the Billy Zane Phantom. And we t- I think we talk about that. I don't know if we talk about that scene in gender, but we talk about the Billy Zane Phantom movie in, in our in our lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame where we inducted the Phantom. So it, it, it's a trope that's been used many times in comics, I guess. Yeah, it might have been that or might have even, even been something with Aquaman where it's like a doubloon or something like that. And yeah. it's like for payment. It's just like, uh, why don't you take this and that'll put your kids through college. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's, it's always the stereotypical, like, New York cabbie that they they, they, they pawn it off on. So, like I said, uh, Black Adam will be starting production this week. It should be out for next year. Is there I, any it, word yet if The Rock's going to have the little pointed ears like Adam Tett has, in, you know, in the comics? Oh, I hope he does. I got to say, Black Adam is one of those characters that truly started out as a villain. And they very successfully morphed him into an anti-hero later on. Don't you agree? Yeah, he's kind of the will-be-on-the-side-that-suits-his-purposes the the best. I think that if you're a Marvel fan, analogy would be Namor Mm -hmm. as far as demeanor. And another DC character that's much along those lines would be Deathstroke. Maybe even Venom, although Venom, I guess it depends on who the host is, but, you know. (laughs) But but I think Venom is another one that has successfully been turned in from a straight bad guy to an uh, anti-hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Not all anti-heroes start out as anti-heroes like Wolverine and Punisher, but... Yeah, well, even Wolverine effectively started out as a villain because he was sent after the Hulk. Yeah, right, true, true. Right. But I do not see, at least on the IMDb page, I don't see any listing of Shazam himself, so... I guess they're going to wait to have Black Adam and Shazam appear on screen together. I believe that Zach Levi was signed for a multi-picture deal when he played, mm-hmm. did he? Billy Bison. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So maybe they'll do this one and then they'll do the Shazam sequel and that's where we'll see both of them together. Well, it, it harkens back to the speculation we had when we did our review on the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Does, does the positive response to that movie maybe make warner brothers rethink how they're going to approach their comic movies now and instead instead of rushing it and then hoping people figure it out maybe maybe stringing it along with individual stories before we do the team-ups or the clashes yeah because i don't recall anybody saying too much negative about shazam even the people that might not have liked it as much as some other superhero movies still were able to laugh along with it and remember, that is in the DC Extended Universe. They they make that very clear, that final scene where Superman – and uh, I think it's just Superman shows up to have lunch with him at the, at the uh, cafeteria, right. which I believe Cavill was willing to do, but there was a conflict. And he could, that's why they had to do it from just like the waist to the neck. They didn't show his face, correct? Correct, yeah, because Cavill was – I think it was when he started doing The Witcher or something to that effect. And, that, of course, it blew up a lot of smoke because people thinking, oh, Cavill, Cavill doesn't want to be Superman anymore and this and that. And, and really, did he have to go on social media and go, no, no, I wanted to do it, but I was a scheduling conflict. Right, right. And it looks like Cavill will still be around for a couple more movies, so you know, it all worked yeah, out in the end. I, I think people 
who don't like the Cavill take are looking for any excuse. They need to accept the fact because he said it too many times. He enjoys playing Superman. Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not that he doesn't stay in shape all the time for his roles. You're not going to put that much effort into looking the way he looks and, and then because you know you have that role and then just want to give up on it all of a sudden. No. Right. That's too much hard work, you know? Yeah. And speaking of keeping in shape, uh, going back to The Rock, I guess he doesn't miss Ooh. leg day, does he? I don't care how, how get up and go you've got. If you ever want to feel like motivation that I need to work harder, watch Rock's daily Instagram post where, she, where he usually does them in the morning when he's working out. Dude, <laughs> mm-hmm. God, he's a monster, man. He's a beast. <laughs> he's a lot bigger now than he, when he wrestled. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's if, when he was wrestling, he had a little bit, a little bit of fat on him, not a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like no, there's like zero body fat now. It's all muscle mass. And he's what he's like our age. He's in his late forties, early fifties. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's gonna be fifty pretty soon. Yeah, I think he's the same age as me. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving over into the Marvel universe, the MCU, we did get the final Black Widow trailer that's been released. It comes with some new footage, and it's only a couple months away now. At least again, I mean, it was supposed to come out May of last year, and then it was going to come out and fall of last year and then it was may of this year and has any big movie been more affected by covid than than, than black widow i don't I, think so yeah because it was literally supposed to be like the the kind of the lead into phase four and now the lead into phase four was wandavision which i don't think right. marvel expected but i think for what we got it was it was effective at that yeah yeah i, I think so but the main bits that we get as far as the new footage we do see a little bit of a younger red guardian and it looks like they have natasha uh, as a teenager and i don't know if they de-aged david harbour or if he just cleans up well if he just shaves well but clearly he's clean shaven and looks several years younger and we also look like we get a bit more of taskmaster in it because taskmaster looks like he's going to be the big villain uh, in, in in this movie so Really not that much about the plot other than it it seems to take place during or maybe shortly after the events of Civil War because it's while Natasha is kind of on the run and staying low. I think that's already been verified by Feige that that's the time frame. Mm-hmm. This is after she's gone in, in, uh, on, into hiding but before the events of you know Infinity War, which she comes out of hiding, I guess, that awesome scene with her, Captain Falcon, saving Vision and Wanda at the, the train station in Glasgow. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So obviously it takes place between when she, when she testifies to the Congress and basically tells her you're not going to come after me to the point I just mentioned, it's somewhere in there. It's somewhere between those two points, right? Right, right. And the other trailer that we got, uh, Marvel dropped it a day after the Black Widow trailer, the new trailer for Loki kind of gives us insight into what the God of Mischief has gotten himself into. Now, the Time Variance Authority... They kind of explain that a little bit. They show a little bit of who Owen Wilson is playing. This is what I was meaning before about time standing still, because I think they even make a mention in it about how long you've been doing this. And Owen Wilson's like, oh, oh I don't know. Because it's like, I think they're like kind of in a loop outside of time or something like that. Well, when, they, when you watch that trailer, and I haven't talked to you about this at all, so I'm, this is going to be, if listeners are going to hear Seth's opinion on this for the first time, just like I am, because I'm, I'm blindsided with this question. When they show the early scenes in that trailer, mm-hmm. and you've got Owen taking Loki into, the, obviously, the, the offices of the TVA, and they have all these reliefs and, and, and statues of these three figures, 
Am I wrong in feeling that might be their 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 take on the Living Tribunal? Oh, it could be. But that was always depicted as as, as two entities, not three, right? My other thought with the three entities, that's where Strange gets his powers. That would make sense, the, yeah. The Vashanti are three. It, it, it's Hogar, and Ahori Hogoth, All-Knowing Amagato, and what's the and other that, one? Yeah. yeah, I forget what, Osh, it, what Osh, it does. Oster, with, Oster. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it could be, but Owen Wilson is going to be playing the character Mobius M. Mobius. I think we can guess what, his, what the M stands for for his middle name. Mobius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is he first appeared in Fantastic Four, and that issue has is now gone up in price because now it's the first appearance of a character we're going to get in the MCU. And a little bit of trivia is Mobius in the comics was actually modeled after an actual Marvel writer the late Mark Grunewald, who died a few years ago, a number of years ago, might have even been in the 90s, but he had written pretty much all of the major Marvel titles at some point. But you know, he's just kind of this average-sized guy with a, with a mustache, and so that's how Owen Wilson's playing him. I just think it's kind of funny that a character based on somebody who actually worked for Marvel is now going to be played by uh, an A-list actor in <laughs> a, a, a big-time Marvel production. Well, well. Well, you also find it humorous that his brother's in a DC property. So. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, so. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for news here. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into the last two episodes of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFrags.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Welcome back, folks, here, last segment of the show, and I'm going to wave the spoiler tag. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. We are talking Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We had episodes two and three air since our last recording. And like we expected, it's still got a bit of action in every episode. The main point I would say about episode two is that they kind of introduced more of the villains. We got our first glimpse of Carly Morgenthau. We, we saw her a little bit in the first episode, but this time we saw her face and pretty much saw right from the get-go that she is a villain. She's not the damsel in distress like she might have looked like being at her first introduction. And we also got a little bit of character into John Walker. Now, mm-hmm. I, I did read several issues that had John Walker from back in the day. And believe it or not, he's, he's probably even a bigger jerk in the comics than he is in this series because i remember there well, was a- episode two he wasn't that big of a jerk right you, know, you get to backstory that he's was like a, a, a top flight collegiate athlete and then after college he joined the military and that's kind of why he was chosen to be the new captain america right you know he was a highly decorated soldier which is different from the comics where he gets the street version of that and gets gets his powers he's just a really really good athlete who trains very, very hard and has military training that allows him to know how to fight. Right. Where I think the holdup is with the character here in the series is he had that line, something like, you got to understand I've done the work. 
he thinks he's earned his stripes, and yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. earned his stripes as a soldier, but he hasn't earned his stripes with the friends of the person he's trying to replace. Right, you know, right. You know. I do like that he has his, he has a sidekick like in the comics, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Battlestar, um, yeah. Battlestar, yeah. yeah. And I like that when they finally show him in his battle outfit, he has a star on his chest just like the comics. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of the, I don't know if I could make a, a wrestling analogy, but it would, it would be like that kind of guy who, yes, he's probably had a few matches and made a name for himself. That doesn't mean he's going to sit in the car with the veterans yet. He, has, he hasn't right. earned that spot yet. That's kind of how I was thinking of it. Yes, he's a good soldier, but he hasn't earned his stripes as an Avenger yet. I think that's, guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right. And, and he's fighting an uphill battle with Bucky and Sam because they were so close to Steve. And that's kind of the, essentially the second episode is both Sam and Bucky and, and the team up happened a little quicker than I thought. Bucky approaching Sam, we need to do this together. And then John Walker and Battlestar showing up and saying, hey, we need to work. All four of us need to work. Mm-hmm. And Bucky, of course, Bucky and Sam are like, nah, B, we good. Well, I, to me, it was a perfect setting for that, that first act when Sam was going to get on the, the plane and Bucky says, I'm coming with you. And Sam's like, no. And then what's the very next shot? Both of them on the plane. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I do like some, some of the callbacks that we've gotten so far. And I can't remember exactly which episodes there are. But you've got the one where there's that awesome scene in from Civil War where Spider-Man webs them both down. And Sam looks at Bucky and says, I hate you. Well, they have a throwback to that where, where, where they both are they both are like this explosion. Bucky looks at Sam and says, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, and, and then you get the reverse. You also from, from Civil War, there's that scene where Cap kisses Sherrod Carter. And the two of them are sitting in that old Volkswagen bug. And and Bucky, I think Sam's in Sam's in the back seat, and, and Bucky's in the front. And, and Sam's like, "Would you move forward? Would you move your seat up?" And he's like, "No." Well, then it's reversed later on. Will you seat up? No. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've always liked how they've presented because I think we can be honest. There is definitely a full three-way bromance going on between Sam, Bucky, and Steve, oh. and all the movies. And it's I just kind of like how they've always laid out this idea that. Buck is Steve's best friend from back in the day, and Sam is his best friend from now, until Bucky got de-brainwashed and all that. It made sense from a storytelling standpoint that Steve met and became friends with Sam before Bucky came back into the picture. Right. And so there's always going to be this tension between the two because they both have the same uh, affinity and, and, and brotherly love for Steve. I think they've also done a good job in the shows, especially in episode three, which we'll get to in a second, where one of Steve's powers, you can call this a power, is seeing the good in things. Cutting through all the crap and seeing the good in things, he sees the good in Bucky, even though Bucky can't forgive himself, and he sees the good in Sam when he gives him the shield. And Sam, Sam's still fighting with, I don't know if I'm worthy. Well, Steve obviously thought you were. Right. You know? And I think that's why Steve didn't give the shield to Bucky, because he knows Bucky's got too much mental baggage right now. Right, right. But Steve totally believed in both of them. And both of these are guys that is, even though they're heroes, they have their own self-doubts. One other thing I'll say about the second episode with White Russell and his portrayal of John Walker, he definitely got his dad's chin. Yes, yes. And he has no upper lip. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he, yes, yes, he does have his daddy's chin. But eh, the second episode was fun to me. 
But the third episode, I think, is when it really started to really kick in for our ties to the MCU whole, and, and we started getting the full story. Right. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think we're full-blown into the second act now, because Sharon Carter, who we knew was going to show up sooner or later, she made her presence known, and there's fans right now that are speculating that she may have some secrets, and she may be doing something underhanded as well. And well, she course- was mind-controlled in the comics, wasn't she, That when she shot Cap? Yeah, yeah, that was shortly after the first Civil War. She shot Cap and like sent him through time or something like that. One of those comics yeah. being comics moments. Right. One thing fans definitely took a liking to and went viral was Baron Zemo boogieing in, in, in the dance club. Right. It was kind of cool to see Zemo. They gave a lot more to his backstory. Yeah. Where I like where they revealed that he is. He, he goes, oh, well, you know, my family. I was a Baron. So now we know he's not just Zemo. He's not just a former. Sokovian special ops officer. He is from royalty, which is true to the comic source material. Right. And they, they gave him the total Zemo look with the, well, the new look where he wears the, 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 the fur collared trench coat, which is an improvement over the fur shoulder pads he wore in the, like the sixties and seventies. And then we got the purple mask. If I remember right, doesn't Zemo use a sword in the comics? I think he has. Yeah. Uh, now of course, the Zemo in the comics now, I think, is the son or the grandson of the original Zemo. Right. But but uh, obviously they don't need to do that in the movies, just, so they're only worrying about one Zemo. Right. And I think Daniel Brühl does a great job with yeah. the character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He he has everything you would need a character like that to have. Clearly, he's he's uh, European by birth. Yeah. yeah. He, European. Uh, I mean, but, but you don't trust him. <laughs> right. Right. It definitely seems like English is probably a second language. He looks like a German, so you know. There and you there, go. Were li- there were there were little hints dropped throughout episode three, which gives more flavor and backstory to the ramifications and the fallout of the blip of the snap, which once again is progressing along into phase four. What will be the long term ramifications of half the population disappearing for five years and then poof coming right back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I am I wrong in thinking the GRC is going to wind up being like a, a front for the bad guys. It could be because that the next question that I was going to propose was we've heard more about the power broker. And I think mm-hmm. I went over two episodes ago that power broker was in the comics and it led to like basically superhero wrestlers for a while. And I was happy to, they brought in Madripoor because that's where mm-hmm. the power broker is based in the comics. And there were a lot of high town and low towns in the comics. For those who don't, Madripoor is a Malaysian island in the comics that there was a run for wolverine in the 80s where it goes back to the 1940s in world war ii and that's where logan and cap steve rogers cap met for the first time and uh, princess bar was a bar that he hung out at well logan did and maybe i'm reading too much into this bringing up logan one of the scenes they showed the outside of um one of the grc facilities right Mm -hmm. and it looked like it had a blue x on it x-men Mm, could be because we we've because been hearing rumblings Magi- of some of the actors getting called back to re- reprise Magipor, the roles. Majapur as as a fictional location for Marvel, like Wakanda, like Asgard, all those other places that we've talked about. They've they've now created on film. It has more of a tie to the X Men than anything else because of of Wolverine. Right. Maybe I'm just fanboying. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you, know, you know, like how Wondergore Mountain tends to go more towards the magic and the kind of kind of the god history type stuff sokovia so that's more of a modern one but i think that's just they're, they're just using the name sokovia so they don't have to use any actual 
right. European right. country where we could have we could right. risk uh, offending people of said country. Right, and they even addressed that when Barron's giving his backstory and he's talking about you know after Ultron did what he did. The rest of the countries around that area kind of gobbled up Sokovia, so it doesn't exist anymore. And I guess we can't really talk about the episode without the kind of stinger at the end, like all these episodes have, the the hook that keeps you coming back for the next episode, which really happens in comics all the time, too. We got a face-to-face meeting with uh, somebody from Black Panther, who's probably not going to be too happy to see Bucky. Or Zemo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I cannot remember the character's name, but she's a second in, in command of the Dolora Milaje, which is the royal guard, essentially, of Wakanda. Her character, the same actress, confronts Natasha in Civil War, and they get ready to have a fight when T'Challa's like, as entertaining as that might be, we have to wait. <laughs> the Dolora Milaje are highly trained. They're all female. Of course, the most prominent character of the group in the MCU would be Donnie Koye. This is her second command. I cannot remember her name, the character's name, but yeah. I so I do I do think Wakanda is going to have something to do with this this show because like we said, they're not going to be happy with Bucky because well, they gave Bucky his arm and D brainwashed him and they're really not going to be happy with Zemo being out of prison because Zemo killed King T'Chaka and then tried to frame Bucky for doing it. So, right. It, it's definitely a little 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 monkey wrench in the works, don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And just trying to look at it from the Wakandan standpoint, it's like the one time they actually do reach out and help an outsider, which they don't seem to do much anyway, the one time they do it, this happens, and now one of their enemies is back. To play into the whole idea of like politics and and global politics, because that kind of seems to be a theme of this show now with the fallout, with, with the flag smashers and all that. That also, it seems to me at least, to be a, a thing where Wakanda has just recently, as we know from the from the end of, of the first Black Panther movie, has just started opening themselves up to the world. That was T'Challa's call. So that that's intriguing. Maybe maybe this is laying some breadcrumbs for, for Black Panther too, which we've said many times. Obviously, they're going to have to do massive rewrites on because of the unfortunate and untimely death of Chadwick Boseman. And they're already said they're not going to recast T'Challa. And in my opinion, as a fan of, of what Chadwick brought to that role, I'm very fine with that. I don't think you should recast it. You know? right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, the, the, the small body of work we got of him in that character is outstanding. I don't think you need to get, do any more. But regardless, I also, on the same, same thing about the whole global thing, I brought up the first time we reviewed the first episode, I was going to be interested and intrigued to see how they were going to turn the character of the Flag Smashers into bad guys because their political ideology is kind of popular right now, this idea of a world without borders. And I thought they did a very effective job when Morgenthau's character, they raided and stole all those, those medicine and foods and stuff from the GRC facility. And then she's hurrying everybody to get out, and then it blows up. And one of her underlings is like, but there were people in there. She's like, well, that's the cost of war. So mm-hmm. right there, it's like they're letting you know she may have – benevolent motivations but she's she's a lot like ray shaw ghoul she's willing to do anything to bring them about so that makes her a bad guy right. so that's the way they're gonna handle it. and i'm fine with that because i think that that's very realistic i i don't like shades of gray a lot in wrestling or in comics it should be black and white but in real life there are shades of gray. something I, I i have to i have to remind people of and this some of this comes from my my sports background and family in the military 
your opponent or your enemy, they don't see themselves as wrong. They think they're justified in doing what they do. And sometimes there is some truth to what they're doing. What's the old cliche? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's look at another question here, kind of to okay. kind of throw our predictions out there. We still don't know who the power broker is. So, Do you I, think that it's possible that Sharon's working for him or brainwashed by him or her? Could be a her. There's um, definitely the theory for that because she happened to show up like right when the poo poo hit the fan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, granted, she did take out those those mercenaries. So yeah, who, but then she gets in the like the, the chauffeured car after the big battle, and she's on the phone with somebody we don't know who it is. Right. So it's my hunch. Just just going by the story being told is we're supposed to distrust her at this point. I think that that you are, but I don't think. My personal opinion, even if they cast her in the role as a villain, I think in the long run, in the MCU, she winds up being a good guy. Don't right. you? Right, because she still has, in, in the movies, in the story, she still has the connection to Peggy. So mm-hmm. that would also seem to imply that she knows the history about Steve, which is really kind of gross when you think about it. But it, it would point more towards her being a hero than a, a selfish person or a villain. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you think this ends up with Zemo dying, or do you think he winds up back in jail? I think, you he, think winds he, up, he either winds up back in jail, or he's going to escape in some thing, and, and he'll just be I, out there. I've heard he's going to be like the leader of the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. Maybe he winds up back in jail, and then he gets approached by. Well, he's not ever. He's not General Ross anymore. He's he's now what Secretary of Defense or State or whatever. But Secretary William, of State, William, yeah, yeah, the William Hurt character. Maybe he's approached by him and says, "Hey, I'm putting together a group." For those that don't know, the Thunderbolts are essentially Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, it's a good analogy. They're bad guys that are sent on missions that they aren't expected to come back from. Covert missions, usually. Yeah. We just talked about how Daniel Rule does a good job. I think he works well in that setting. That's my opinion. And, and another question that I had is, we going to see more character development on John Walker? Because this is the first time in Episode 3 we really kind of see the real jerk side of him when he tries to muscle around those people that he's like, Hey, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> battle stars like, yo, yo, chill, bro. <laughs> right. And, and I still think he's going to mellow up by the time it's over. But what I was saying at the beginning of the conversation here, he's even more of a jerk in the comics because he's, he's a glory hound where he, right. there, there's even a scene where they don't actually show it in detail, but John Walker's in a limo with his buddies and there's a middle-aged woman who gets mugged and John Walker doesn't do anything because there's no cameras around there. There, there's no glory to be had from it. And of course, you know, Steve would have been right, right then and there. Stop the car. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and I think, I think what they're doing with the character here is the take they're taking here is instead of being the glory hound, he's more of a, he wants so bad to be captain America, but deep down inside, he realizes he's probably not worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, again, it comes back to, the conversation that he tried to have with Sam and, and Bucky where, he, where he's like, look, guys, I've done the work. It's like he thinks he's done all he needs to do, and now it's, now it's your guys' turn to let, let me in. Right. And it, it, I think you've brought it up before. It, Erskine brings it up in the, in the original Captain America, the first Avenger movie. Is it the super soldier serum, serum that made Steve Rogers Captain America? It's what's in Steve Rogers' heart as a person and as a man that makes him Captain America. Right, which, of course, you get the long-term payoff in Endgame when Steve's finally able to pick up Mjolnir. Right, and, and that harkens back to what we were just talking about earlier. Sam and Bucky understand that about Steve, more probably than anybody else, is that 
Steve Rogers wasn't Captain America because he put on the suit and had the shield. He was Captain America long before. Right. And I think, quite frankly, Tony knows that too. And it drives Tony crazy because Tony wishes he could be that way. But he can't. That famous conversation they had in the first Avengers movie where they're kind of at each other's throats. And Mm -hmm. Cap tells Tony that uh, you're not going to be the person to make the sacrifice play. And Tony says, everything special about you came out of a bottle. Well, what happens at the end of Endgame? We find out Cap's special and Tony makes a sacrifice play. Yeah, that's the payoff. 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great writing. Great writing. Yep. But we always are praising the writing uh, of these movies. So. Yeah. All right. Let's going to wrap up this edition of Geekville Radio. If this is your first time hearing us, you can follow us on social media at Geekville Radio on Facebook and Twitter. We are available in the podcatcher of your choosing. Pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you should be able to do a search for Geekville Radio and find us. You can also subscribe at geekvilleradio.com. Drop us a line, uh, give us a subscribe or a follow, and uh, let us know what you'd like to hear. Because as I always say, we're always trying to look for ways to improve this show. You can give us a rating, give us a review. And the only thing I ask with reviews is just be honest. Just just tell us what you really think. And I appreciate any and all honest feedback. Now, Train, if anybody else wants to talk to you about comics or wrestling or whatever, where can they find you? I'm always available to be reached on Twitter at crazytrain underscore JB. That is also my handle pretty much across all social media platforms. So if you find that particular handle on a social media platform, it's probably me. But Twitter is the easiest way to make sure I'm going to get it right away. And we're going to have another episode sooner rather than later because as of this recording, Godzilla vs. Kong is kicking butt at the theaters and we're going to have a special episode review for that uh we just couldn't squeeze it all in in one episode because we're gonna have a special guest for that review hopefully so that should be coming your way very shortly so this has been geek for radio thank you folks for listening and we'll talk to you folks again next time Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.